The Pilgrimage of the Heart podcast is brought to you by PYO.Yoga, an online studio for all your yoga needs, including videos in Spanish and Russian. This podcast is also brought to you by Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga, located in San Diego and serving over 1,000 yogis a week. Hi, this is Sujantra. Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. Okay, good. So um, for philosophy tonight, I'd uh, like to springboard off your guys' questions because um, I was picking topics all day today. So um, do you guys have any yoga, philosophical philosophy-related questions. Death. Okay. And do you, do you have a, do you want to open with a specific question, or? Okay, so um, so there's two things in spiritual philosophy. There's speculative philosophy, where you speculate what may happen, or there's uh, let's say critical philosophy, or um, like scientific philosophy, where you try to have a direct experience of what it would be. Um, or you could say another way to look at it is you could go on the testimony of what other people say or you can try to go on your direct experience. So, uh, for example, Sri Chamoy says, he's asked, is there life after death? And he wrote, yes, there is life after death. Death is not and can never be the end. To me, life and death are like two rooms. During the day, I work in the living room. Death is my resting room. I equally need both in order to love, serve, and please God. And so in the, um, in the Indian philosophy, the idea is that uh, we each have a soul or an Atman, A-T-M-A-N, or the self with the capital S, not the ego, not our ego or our, our, um, this, our sense of self based on thoughts and possessions, but rather our deepest self, and that that deepest self is eternal. The soul is eternal. And so the soul takes incarnation, takes human form, and as it comes into the um, earth energy, it, it takes on an emotional body, a mental body, a psychic body, so these, these uh, and breath, and breath comes in. And then that, that's like the, um, the sheaths, like a sword has a sheath that it goes into. So these are the sheaths that um, cover the soul. 
and, and give the soul the ability to experience uh, the finite existence. So, um, so uh, body, it takes on physical body, emotional body, mental body, and the psychic body. And then flowing through all, out, all of that is breath. As I said earlier, breath is um, interconnected. And so then we go through experiences, and basically the idea is that the soul needs life. It needs this transitory existence in order to grow and learn and to manifest, to offer because if you're just in the infinite nothingness or the infinite vastness, that's like the static energy. But this world, the physical world, is the world of uh, creation and, and transcendence. And so with these different parts of our being, we journey through life and learn and grow and express, et cetera, et cetera. And then, but it's finite. There's a limit to it. And so that at the time of death, um, one thing they say in the Indian philosophy is that uh, at the time of death, breath withdraws, mind withdraws, the heart withdraws. So they withdraw from the physical being. They don't end with the physical being. They, they draw out, away from it. And then that the soul eventually returns to the re region of the soul. And as it does, it, it, it sheds these different sheaths goes in the realm of the soul, and then again takes incarnation to continue this, this process. <clears throat> then there's some good book, there's some good movies. Um, it's called Life After Life by Dr. Raymond Moody. I saw it, I think, in the 70s, but I think they've made um, newer ones. And it's about people who have near-death experiences and what they experience which is most often, or all the experiences you read about, are um, going, you know, leaving the body, getting this, um, this separation from the body, seeing the body there, and then being pulled away from the physical reality and going into a tunnel of light, and the light is described as love or this wonderful energy. But then for some reason or another, they're, they're brought back to life. You know, usually medical science is able to reverse it. So it draws them back in. But the, really, the, the thing I really like about the, um, when you see these interviews with people who've had these experiences, and the doctors confirm, you know, this person died. They were dead on the operating table. Um, is the, the attitude they come back with. I remember one I saw was a Vietnam veteran who, um, he remembers being shot, he remembers being put on the helicopter, um, but then he has the death experience wakes up again, he's in, the, um, he's in the recovery room, and he's like lost all his limbs. But the guy is like so, and when they're interviewing him, he's the head of some big company, you know, but he's cruising around in his wheelchair, but he's, he's so positive on life, because he's, he's like, there's no more fear in him about death. And we all have a very deep, intrinsic fear about death. But he's over it because he's been through this experience. He knows um, what the underlying reality is. And so that, uh, that's because when you're looking for, as we were talking about in teacher training today, when you're looking to understand something, you can either ha understand it through direct experience or from someone who is reliable that you think you can trust. And so reading some of these stories about these uh, near-death experiences or the death experiences is really pretty um, 
to my mind, convincing. So that, that's, um, that's the basic idea of um, the death in the, in, in the in yoga philosophy. Now, another way to look at it, the, the yoga philosophy would look at it, it would say, it would challenge you a little bit. So it would say, instead of wondering what's going to happen at the time of death, instead of speculating, find out what's going on with you right now. So oftentimes we think everything's going to be revealed when we die. We're kind of taught that. Live a good life when you die, then you'll go to heaven, then you'll have the great experience. But the Indian philosophy basically says that there's really not that much difference. So, so the, um, the state of being you're in now, just because, you don't have a, just because you're not in the physical, don't think that all of a sudden it's going to be so different. Kind of like when you dream. You know when you dream at night? Often death is equated uh, to a dream. When you dream at night, usually your dreams aren't that different than your day experiences. I mean, they're, you know, they're weird. An elephant might walk in the room. Or the other, day I was, the other night I was having a dream and I went to a friend's house and their dog started talking to me. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Dogs are talking now. I remember thinking that. Um, you know, of course I didn't think, oh, maybe I'm dreaming. Because when you're in the dream, you're lost in the dream. And it, you accept it all is real. Just like in life, we, we, we assume we understand everything. But, you know, so the dreams aren't that different than your day-to-day. And so the idea in the, in the yoga is we do have access to higher realms of consciousness and being, but we have to do it now. You have to experience it now while you're in the physical body. And then, the, and then you know, when you die, that's the type of realm you'll go to. And then so then when they talk about ghosts and things, one of the ideas is that as the soul is leaving the, the physical realm, it has to shed the sheaths. And if, the, if one of the sheaths has a lot of unresolved issues, then it can't be let go so easy. It's like, det- it's like um, uh, detaching from something. The soul has to... It, But if things aren't resolved, then the idea is it takes longer because those things have to be resolved sometimes. And so in his writings or in other writings, or maybe you saw the, uh, I think it was a Robin Williams movie years ago about um, Buddhas. It's kind of based on Buddhist philosophy, but going to, um, through the realms of death and stuff. No one saw that? What What dreams may come. Really worth seeing. And that idea that things, if you got to work them out here in the more subtle realms. <clears throat> the other thing the idea of reincarnation or death points to is the idea that the learning curve is not as quick as we think. In other words, um, the states of higher consciousness like nirvana or samadhi, these deep states, Spiritual teachers throughout history tell us that we, we have access to it. But it's, it's, um, it's quite an achievement to get there. 
And so you see, like, tonight, the challenges you faced in your own meditation, whether it was sleep or a lot of thoughts or distracted or worried about something, <clears throat> you know, to, to learn to work through those things and to bring your mind and your heart to a very open place and a quiet place takes a, you know, it takes a good effort. It, does, it doesn't just happen in one night or two nights. It's a, um, as the book, as the yoga books say, um, success in yoga is through, um, through persistence and, and great effort. So you have to put in the time, put in the energy, and to think that you can do it all in one lifetime, a lot of the teachers say is, is extremely unrealistic because there's a lot of transformation and growth that needs to take place. Yeah, Mary. So the psychic being, it talks about it in the Wisdom of Sri Chamoy book. So the psychic being, Sri Chamoy grew up in the Sri Aurobindo ashram. I think we have one or two of Sri Aurobindo's books in the, in the boutique. And Sri Aurobindo was, um, uh, was a great philosopher and writer and very, um, uh, very different writing than Sri Chinmoy. But, this, but he had broken down the parts of the being into the, um, the body, vital mind, heart, and soul. But then but Sri Aurobindo also talked he didn't talk so much about the heart, he talked more about the psychic being. So body, vital, mind, psychic being, and soul. And in Sri Aurobindo's philosophy, the, the psychic being is a part of ourself that is, is in the state of development. So like the soul is this eternal, infinite, um, you know, direct spark from the infinite. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a complete entity. It's, it's like infinity. But then the psychic being, the idea is it's the, um, it's the higher evolution part of ourself growing and expanding and becoming more and more um, a reality in the physical world. In Sri Chimoy's writings, he, early on in his teachings, he talked about the psychic being, but then he stopped um, because I think it's a little complex or hard to visualize, and Sri Chimoy just chose to focus in on the idea of the spiritual heart, that um, the growth of your psychic being is basically the growth, the expansion of your spiritual heart. So as your spiritual heart opens and opens wider and wider, you start to have um, feelings of interconnectedness with people, you have more compassion, you have more love, you start to develop these more subtle emotions and uh, feelings of connectedness. And so the, the psychic being, I think, basically is another way to, um, to conceptualize that. Yeah, you could say that, that the opportunity while we're alive is, is huge. And so in the, in the Indian philosophy, it says that to have a human incarnation is the greatest boon in the universe, to have a human incarnation because it's only in the, in the physical form that we can um, transcend and grow. And the Indian teachings teach that, like, um, that, you know, there's a realm of higher gods, the god of the wind, the god of the fire, these different um, gods, but that, that they're, they're static. They're like in one place. Consciousness, because, because it's a static realm. 
whereas in human life is where we can transcend and grow. And so to have a human incarnation is, is such a huge opportunity. But we get all lost in our problems and our, you know, our worries and how hungry we are. And so we often forget what an what a, um, opportunity ex existing is. So yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Life is a gift. And, and the, what the yoga philosophy would teach is that in order to, what it does teach is in order to get to your soul, you have to learn to make the different parts of your being very calm and peaceful. Because if they're agitated or overly active, during the time of meditation, that is, if they're agitated or overly active, then you can't pull your mind away from them. So it's like if, if, if you have aches or pains, it's really hard to pull your mind away from your body because you're kind of locked into it because of the pain. So the, the, it's said that it's really hard to meditate when you're ill. It's hard to practice yoga when you're ill because your mind's really in your body. But you want to, well, you, in deep meditation, you have to stay awake, of course, but then you can pull your mind away from your body. So there's one sheath that you've pulled away from. Then you can make your breathing really slow. So you start to pull away from the sheath of breath. If you can calm your mind, so now all these sheaths are becoming calm and quiet, and you can start to turn your awareness inward to try to feel that dimension of yourself, that soul, that that's the way to connect with your soul. And then it's said that when you do feel your soul and touch your soul, then, then you know you know this big reality because your soul has traversed it all. And so that's when it's revealed to you um, these kind of mysteries of life and death and reincarnation. So as you make yourself more and more quiet, then you get closer to the, um, that deeper reality. Okay. Thanks for the uh, question there, Ryan, and the choice of topic. Okay, well, good seeing everybody, hearing what you're doing uh, for fun this summer. Pujari's going to, to Italy. Tough life. That's your hobby, off to Italy. Jeez, good summer. Okay, so um, hopefully we'll see everybody soon. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. This has been a production of Pilgrimage of the Heart Yoga. Join us at our studios here in San Diego or visit us online at pyo.yoga. Namaste.